0: Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. I invite you to turn to two passages today. The first passage in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel the Ezekiel chapter number 37 and then you can also find in the New Testament 2 Timothy chapter number 3 so Ezekiel chapter number 37 and 2 Timothy chapter 3 if you'll hold your place in in 2 Timothy chapter 3 we're going to read the scripture in Ezekiel first and then we'll make some comments we'll come back uh, to it here in just a little while But a very interesting passage of Scripture in Ezekiel chapter number 37, and probably one that you are possibly a little bit familiar with, um, probably have heard once or twice before. Um, But it is where the scripture says in verse number one the hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of. "...of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and, lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live?" And I answered, O Lord God, Thou knowest. And He said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will bring upon or bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord we'll stop there. For just a moment, if you'll look over into Second Timothy chapter three, Second Timothy chapter three. The scripture again, hopefully one you're familiar with, you are prepared for, as it says this, know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In case you're wondering whether or not we are in the last days, look at this list that the Apostle Paul gave to Timothy as he said, This know, for that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium, At Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, throughly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Not to me only but do all them also that love is appearing. We'll stop there in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I want to make a few comments here. Over the last five or six years, I don't remember exactly the first time I came across this phrase, but I've seen it in several different articles that I've read. I've Heard it mentioned on uh, different uh podcasts or uh, different things that I would listen to, and I've heard this term uh, I, probably several dozen times uh, over the last five years. I will admit the first time I heard this term, I didn't give it much attention, probably because I didn't fully understand what it meant. The term that I'm referring to is the term post-Christian culture. Post-Christian. Post-Christian means after-Christian. Post meaning after, pre meaning before, or Christian meaning, just Christian meaning during. Obviously, in our culture, there would be a time that we uh, did not have much, if any, influence Of Christ upon a culture but in the culture of America or the culture of our country we have had much influence by Christianity and much influence by the scripture but in the last five to six years I've again heard this term or seen this term several uh, dozen times and it began to uh, grip my attention The idea of a post-Christian culture is one that is no longer affected by Christian morals or Christian ideas or even Christian thinking and behavior. A post-Christian, it is said to have lost the primacy of the Christian worldview in societal affairs where Christianity had once flourished in favor of alternative worldviews, such as secular humanism, or even one of nationalism. That would be a description of a post-Christian culture. And as I've been reading and becoming more familiar with this term over the last several years, I have also began to take note of what's happening around us. Begin to take note of the culture in which we live. If you've paid any bit of attention, just in just in in just a glimmer, you would have to say that over the last decade or so we have definitely moved into what would be described as a post Christian. Culture. So, what does that mean for those of us who are Christians? More importantly, what does that mean for us here at Bailey Road Baptist Church? So we we're living in a post-Christian culture. As we read here just a few moments ago in 2 Timothy, Paul is describing to Timothy several thousand years ago, about the culture in which you and I are currently living in. I will tell you, when I read 2 Timothy chapter 3, I read it much differently today than I did 25 years ago. It means something much different. In some cases, if we were to consider a post-Christian culture, And if we were, if we are to, if our culture continues to change at the uh, rate that it has changed within the last five years, over the next 10 years, as we move ahead, I will tell you, I am fearful of what may lie ahead as a country. One may suggest and say, well, maybe we just need to build a compound and build a wall and everybody just kind of live together and uh, we'll make all things common and uh, we'll just kind of seclude ourselves and go into isolation. And while that may sound like a great idea, I don't think that is something that would be pleasing to the Lord. If anything, I would dare say that it would be that type of attitude of one of isolation that has brought us to the place where our country is at today. And so what I want to do this morning, as we consider these two passages that are before us of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 37, I want to uh, try to, number one, encourage you I will tell you, we are, we are while we may be living in a post-Christian culture, we cannot be living in a more exciting time to be a Christian. Exciting times. I want to address how can we minister in a post-Christian America? In a post-Christian culture. As a matter of fact, Maybe we could be more specific. How can we minister in a post-Christian Mahoning Valley? What is it going to look like? Because I will tell you, ministering in a post-Christian culture looks different than ministering in a Christian culture. And we need to be prepared for this. We need to be ready for this. We need to have a plan for what are we going to do. Fifty years ago, it was uh, very understandable. People understood what it was, whether they were a Christian or not. They probably had some Christian morals. And coming in from uh, from that culture into a Christian culture was very easily done. But coming in from a totally anti- or post-Christian culture into a Christian culture is going to be very different. It's going to be very different. We must be prepared and we must be ready for what is to come. Again, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lays out for what is to take place, or what does the last days look like. What does it look like? So We're going to examine this this morning together, if I can preach to you how to minister in a post-Christian culture. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I thank You. God, I ask You, if You would, help us to have a greater understanding of what it is we're facing today. But Father, as we have and get a better understanding, God, we also need You to equip us We need a plan. We need to know how we're going to do this. God, I don't want this to simply be a a message to complain about the culture in which we live in, but Father, I want to offer from Your Word this morning with Your help and Your guidance a, a solution of what You expect from us during this time as we approach the end as we approach the day that You're going to send Your Son back to claim His bride. What do we do until then? God, I pray that You would help us and guide us and direct us from Your Word this morning that we might know how it is that we're to minister within this culture in which we live in. Help us in this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to break this down for you very quickly here, if that's even possible. And we find, as we read through the entire third chapter and partly through the fourth chapter, that uh, this is uh, Paul's last stand, if you will. Paul mentioned in chapter 4 that the time of his departure is at hand. He said he's ready to be offered as he fought a good fight and finished his course and kept the faith. These are somewhat the last words and the last encouragement to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he reminds Timothy in chapter 3 that, The last days are going to come, and I'm convinced this morning that as we read through these last days list, and understanding the perilous times that shall come, that means troubles. That means certain events that are going to wreak havoc upon a culture. He said, understand that in the last days, perilous times shall come. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be difficulties. Well, we're there. We're living in the last days. Now, I cannot go as far as to tell you how long the last days will last. For we know a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So I cannot predict how long the last days will last. I just know, as I read Scripture this morning and have over the last several years, there is not anything on this list that we're missing from our culture today. We're living there. And I want you to see the results or the behavior of the last days. If, number one, we're living in the last days, look at the behavior here. He said men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, we're there. The selfie generation. Lovers of their own selves. We love us some us. Covetous. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, he says. And I think, obviously, there's always been somewhat of a disobedience to parents, but I I, I can't say that it's been as bad as it is today. Unthankful? Now, again... I think people have, in general, been unthankful for certain things, but we're talking about a spirit of unthankfulness. We have a spirit of expectancy in our culture today. Unholy. Unholy, it says. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. Again, we have contracts for contracts. Some of you might be old enough to remember a day when you could walk into a business, make a deal, shake a hand, and the deal is done. Anybody remember that? Remember those days, some of you old enough for that? Today, you can shake hands all you want. But until you sign that contract, it's not done. And again, you got to have contracts. I mean, has anybody bought a house recently? 192 pages of documents that come with buying a house. What in the world? What is going on? Why? Because men are truce breakers. Truce breakers. In the last days. False accusers, it's there, it's rampant today. Incontinent, fierce, incontinence is just without self-control. Without self-control is what that means. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Oh, we're there. Traitors, heady or headstrong high-minded, puffed up with pride, so to speak. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I'm telling you, you can't read through this list without seeing our culture. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. God. God comes, if I can say this, in our culture, I, I'm not exactly sure uh, in in the culture's mind, but uh, I, I know even in a lot of Christians' minds today, God is third or fourth or fifth on the list. Am I meddling? Probably. Lovers of pleasures. You see, if I have something better to do, I'll do that first. I'll do that first. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. He goes on to say, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. We've become more religious than we are godly. Denying the power thereof. I, I used to think, I used to think this, matter of fact, I, this might be the first time I've ever said this publicly. I used to think that when the rapture happens, churches would cease. But I would dare say today, reading this list, that I think the rapture could happen today and many churches would go on as business as usual. Because we have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. But he says here, from such turn away. Turn away. He says, don't be around that. He said, there is a sort that's going to creep into houses. And we have this, this result of the last days. He said, people are going to be led captive, laden with sins. That means they're going to be covered up with sin. Led away with divers' lust, following after what they want. How about this? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. that so, you find the truth hard to find these days? I mean we have we have fact checkers today. Has anyone has anyone seen the fact checkers be wrong yet? You don't check the fact checkers. I check the fact checkers. I read it and I think, well, that's not even true. That's not even an accurate representation. What's happening? Or well, we're ever learning. We have lots of information out there. But the truth is becoming harder to find. We're always learning. Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He says, As Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. He says, There are people out there that hate the truth. They don't want the truth. As a matter of fact, they'll withstand the truth. And we're there. All you got to do is pay attention. Just pay attention for a little while. He says, But they shall proceed no further. Their folly shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But he tells Timothy, he says, Thou hast fully known my doctrine. Now, as he says my doctrine, as you read through the rest of this list, he's referring to, you could put the word my in front of each phrase that he gives here. You could read it this way, as it's understood within the text, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. You could say it, that you have fully known my manner of life my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, my afflictions, he said, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. He said, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. He said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. Can I tell you, number three, that I want you to notice the results of the last days? Now, again, I know this sounds negative. I know this sounds like, oh, man, what are we going to do? I don't want to suffer persecution. But listen, there's going to be some persecution. I don't know that we're quite there yet in these last days. But I don't think we're far off. I don't think we're far off from this. What's another result after persecutions? He says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, folks, I... I, I think it's possible that this could all turn around, that we could have a revival, a national revival, and see people saved and, and come to Jesus and, and, our, and our culture make a comeback. I think it's possible. But the Scripture says in the last days, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. While I think a part of it can get better, The overall product, I don't think it's going to happen. That's my opinion. So what do we do? If this is the results, if this is where we're living, what is our role here? This is where it gets positive. This is where to me, man, this is exciting. What do we do? Listen, giving up is not an option. So what do we do? What has God called us to within these last days? If those are the results, and we have that, what is our role as believers to be in the last days? Well, the first thing, we're to continue with the Bible. Look what he says. He says, but continue thou. He says, all of this is going to happen in the last days, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Listen, we're to continue with God's Word. What are we to do? Well, we're not going to quit. We're not to stop. We're to continue what we have been doing. We must continue it. And we must continue with God's Word. Why? Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. There's profit in it. And we want to do and we want to be around things that are profitable and things that bring a profit in. And he says all Scripture is given by God, or given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine. Doctrine tells us what's right. You want to know what's truth? Want to know where the truth is? It's in the Bible. It's in God's Word. And we have that here, and we have it because God has given it to us, and it's profitable to know what is right and to know what is truth. But He also says it's profitable for reproof. Reproof tells us what's wrong. So isn't that something? We have God's Word in front of us. We have God's Word in our laps. We have God's Word to tell us what is right. But it also tells us what's wrong. Now again, I I know as people, we don't typically like to be told what's wrong. But we need to be. We need to continue in this. So He tells us what's right in doctrine. He tells us what's wrong with reproof. But he also says it's for correction. So if I have something that is right, I want to continue in it. If I have something that's wrong, I don't want to continue in it, and I need correction. It tells me how to get it right. If I'm wrong, it tells me how to get it right. And that's what the Bible is profitable in. And Paul said, continue in this. Because you need to know what's right. You need to know what's wrong. You need to know how to get it right when you're wrong. But then he says, for instruction in righteousness. The Bible's profitable and tells us how to keep it right once we've got it right. So it tells us what's right, it tells us what's wrong, it tells us how to get what's wrong right, and it keeps us right. Why? That the man of God may be perfect. That simply means mature, not without sin, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If we're to continue with the Bible, can I tell you that the second thing we're to continue with is good works? Now these good works have have honestly nothing to do with salvation. It's what happens after salvation. It's not so that we can stay saved or that if we don't continue in good works, we'll no longer be saved. It's just simply part of our role as Christians, as we've been corrected by the Word of God, that we continue with God's Word to to work in our life, but then that we might be furnished unto good works. Part of what believers are to be doing. We're to continue in this. But if you'll notice, when I was reading earlier and I read through chapter 3, some of you may have gotten confused when I continued and without hesitation into chapter 4. I don't mind the verse breaks and the chapter breaks within Scripture, but the thought process here that Paul says continue in doesn't stop with the good works. We're to continue to preach the Word of God. Proclaim what God's Word says. And he goes a step further as he says, Continue thou, he stops and he says, I charge thee therefore. Now look, any time we come to the Scripture and we see the word therefore, we need to have an understanding of what it's there for. There's a reason it says, therefore. And we have to go back, and that's what we've really done into chapter 3, is this is why Paul is saying, preach the word. Now notice something. As he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. I want you to notice something. Paul does not say, continue judging. None of your business. Judging is God's business, amen? It's God's business. And he says, God will judge. But your role, my role, is to preach the Word. The Word that we've continued in. The Word that we've been assured of. The Word that we have been given from a child that's profitable for something. He says that is what we're to preach. And he says, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We're to continue to reprove. What does that mean? We are going to have to convince that sin, is sin, and it's wrong. You ever try to convince someone that thinks they're right that they're wrong? You ever tried that? How many of you have given up a time or two? Me too. How many of you have ever been the one that was wrong that thought you were right? Yeah, me too. Or me three or four. You have to convince. Truth is there. But notice what he says, reprove. He says rebuke. The word rebuke means to check and to restrain that we're doing right. To check or to restrain. There's a, there's a saying, it's it's somewhat of a flippant saying, but I, I, I like it, but uh, somebody said, I don't know where it came from or whatever, but I, I think I read it the first time or I heard it the first time, uh, but it, it says this, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. You ever heard that before? Oh yeah, sometimes you got to check yourself, you got to make sure you're right. You better check yourself because if not, you're probably going to end up wrecking yourself. And that is what the rebuking and the reproving is about. But then he says, exhort with all long-suffering. The exhortation is to try to bring others along where they need to be. But he says, do it with all long-suffering. Why? Because it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because we're living in the last days. And so you're going to have to reprove, and you're going to have to rebuke, and you're going to have to exhort, and try to bring people along with all long suffering as we tell them the truth, as we advise them, as we warn them, as we caution them, even when they won't listen. Like a child that you try to tell something and they cover their ears. Blah, 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 blah. What do we have to do there? We have to do this with long-suffering. With a patience. Why? With Doctrine, again, with the truth. He says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound truth. And after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Look, you know, in our culture today, there's a a sense of our culture that I just want to be told I'm right. Listen, that's where we're at. You just, our culture says you just do your thing. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is because right and wrong are no longer relative. They won't endure sound doctrine. They just want to hear what they want to hear. He says, from such, or they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They'll, They'll listen to a lie much more quickly than they'll listen to the truth in the last day. Our role is to continue to do the work of an evangelist, he says. As he says, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. We need to tell everyone that Jesus died to save them because they're sinners. That He died and that He rose again the third day to pay the debt for their sin. Because when people believe that in their heart, that God raised them from the dead, that is when men can be saved. And he says, do the work of an evangelist. Continue in this. And he says this, he says, Timothy, listen, you need to understand something. I'm going home soon. You're going to be left. The last days are going to come. You need to continue. i tell you, in my life, I've had some encouragers. In my life, I have people that encourage me. Some of them have passed on. What do you do? You have to continue. You say, but they're no longer here to encourage me. Continue anyway. As Paul says, I'm I'm not going to be here much longer. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. He said, yes, there's a crown of righteousness which the Lord's going to give. And He'll give it to anybody that loves His appearing. Timothy, I'm not always going to be here. You need to know what to do. Continue. Our role is to continue. Continue. Now, the question though is, what about our culture? What about this post Christian culture that we live in? Is there any hope for them? Is there any hope? You may be wondering, why in the world did we read Ezekiel chapter 37? You haven't said a thing about it since then. Go back there, if you will. I, I truly understand that. Israel in the Old Testament is not America, it's not the church, it's Israel. But I will say that there are a lot of similarities in what happened throughout Israel's history to what is happening even in our own culture. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, I can see that. In chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel, we find Ezekiel standing, being caught up in the Spirit of the Lord, as he describes, and being sat down in a valley that was full of bones. Can I talk about, just for a few moments, the vision of the bones? The vision of the bones. As He described their condition, He said they were dry. In verse number 2, He said, He caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. There were a lot, but they were dry. While you notice their condition, I want you to notice within that as well, within this vision, their cry. So here you can picture Ezekiel as God leads him in the spirit and He he takes him down to the valley and Ezekiel says, I'm walking around and there's nothing but a bunch of old dry bones. But does anybody notice the cry of the bones? I will tell you, you won't notice it because it's not there. Bones have nothing to cry out with, do they? There's no breath in them, there's not even flesh upon it. They're just simply bones. There was. No cry. Can I just point out to you, as we've been talking about our culture, our culture is not crying out for the truth. Our culture is not crying out for help. Our culture today, in my opinion, spiritually speaking, is very similar to this valley of dry bones that Ezekiel describes. There is no cry. But there is a need. And there is a command as God gave to Ezekiel. He he said, Ezekiel, I, I want you to do something. And while you notice the vision of the bones, I encourage you to notice, more importantly, the voice of the prophet. He was asked a question in verse number 3. Son of man, can these bones live? Now look. Ezekiel gave, I think, the best answer he could give. For he said, O God, O Lord God, Thou knowest. Now is that to say Ezekiel didn't believe that those bones could live? I don't know. But a simple-minded reasoning would say, uh, no. They can't. Bones don't just live again. It's not how this thing works. It's just not how it works. But yet, when God is asking the question, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, I don't have a clue, Lord, but, but I believe you do. You know. And then we see the command of God. He said in verse number 4, prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. He commanded them to preach. He said, prophesy unto these bones. And when you prophesy, you tell them, Hear the word of the Lord. Now listen, they didn't have ears to hear. They were bones. buddy. He said, as you do this, I'm going to take these bones, He said, and I'm going to cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I will lay sinews, the joints, upon you. I'm going to bring flesh upon you, muscles and skin, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. There's not in this particular passage as Ezekiel records this, any hesitation, is there? He walks through the valley of the dry bones and God says, Ezekiel, you think these things can live again? He says, I I don't know, but you know. He said, well, Ezekiel, I want you to preach to these bones. And I want you to tell them what I've said. I want you to tell them to listen to the Word of God. And as they do, I'll put flesh upon them. And I'm going to make them breathe once again. He said in verse number 7, So I prophesied, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, oh, 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 there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews, and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they might live. He said, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came in to them. And they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened up your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live. And I shall place in your own land, and ye shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. The picture that God paints for us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 is one of a bleak picture. A picture very similar to Ezekiel chapter 37. As we're living in a modern-day valley of dry bones, they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear, but God said, "Preach anyway." As we see the vision of the bones and the voice of the prophet, I submit to you the view of the Lord. They said, "Our bones are dry." They said, our hope is gone. That's what they said. But God said, He's chosen different. God said, these bones can live. Listen, I'm I'm not against our culture. You see, well, that doesn't make much sense. I'm not against our culture, I'm for God. And I'm for the things of God. And I'm going to continue with God. We must preach. We must take the truth of God's Word and take it amongst our culture. Again, this is not a time to seclude ourselves and come inside and to come, uh, not, not to say closer together, I believe we ought to be close together, but what I'm saying is apart from the world, we ought to be out and we ought to be apart and we ought to be preaching, we ought to carry the truth of God's Word because I believe today as we do so that these bones can live. The gospel still saves. The gospel truth still empowers people to live once again. You say, but they don't want to listen. Do you think these bones were listening? But he told Ezekiel, preach. And as you preach, I'm going to do something. Ezekiel preached. And he said, I heard a noise. And the more I preached, the more something happened. How long did it take Ezekiel and his preaching before something happened? I have no idea. But he didn't stop. He kept preaching. It wasn't immediate, I can tell you that. Bones came upon bones and connected first. And Ezekiel said, oh, something's happening. The flesh came upon them, and they laid there as dead bodies. Ezekiel said, that they're not alive yet. And God said, preach to the wind. Preach to the wind, Ezekiel. Ezekiel went out and he prophesied to the wind. And he said, you come, O wind. Oh, and it came. How long did it take? I don't know. But Ezekiel didn't quit. He didn't stop. He just kept preaching. As God filled that, those bones with flesh and with breath, He describes it as a mighty army standing together. You see, how do we minister in a post-Christian culture? How do we, how are we going to do this in a culture that doesn't want to listen? In a culture that, that's going to refuse the truth? What do we do? Well, number one, we preach the Word of God faithfully. That's what we do. We must preach the Word of God faithfully. Number two, we expect things to get worse. Say, Pastor, I don't want to do that. Well, He told us, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. So as we're preaching the Word of God faithfully, we have to expect that things are going to continue to get worse. We have to expect that. But we also must expect for God to do a mighty moving. when we're faithful to do what He commanded. I'll tell you, I don't know how many times I've attempted to do what God commanded only to say to myself in my heart, because I would never say this publicly, even though I'm about to. That didn't work. God, I did what you said, but it it didn't work. Continue anyway. Continue anyway. Because there is a moving of God. Again, the breath didn't come first. They didn't just rise up. It took a little something. As a matter of fact, it took a lot of something. It took a full obedience from Ezekiel for those bones to stand up. Listen, we're going to have to just say, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord and see what He will do. You say, but they won't listen. Not one time did God say, Make them listen. No, he just said preach the Word, didn't he? He just said be instant, in season, out of season. When you want to and when you don't want to. Preach the Word. The idea of preaching the Word is just simply proclaiming, telling the truth that God has told us to tell. But they don't want it. He told us they wouldn't want it. But he said, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Yes, we must preach the Word of God faithfully. We must expect things to get worse. We must expect God to do a mighty movie when we're faithful to do what He commanded. That is how Bailey Road Baptist Church is going to have to minister in a post-Christian culture. This right here. You say, well, it's not going to work. Oh, it'll work. He knows it, which is why He told us. Preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. We must tell the truth. If no one else will, we must. Every head bowed, every eye closed.